0: just start out small go to all the networking events you possibly can because a lot of these investors are at networking events like tria group or rei groups
1: and just show your face before we get into today's episode i want to offer you a free service and a free gift yes a free gift you're a loyal best ever listener you deserve free gifts and it's from our best ever partner secure pay one the landlord helper So are you a landlord or investor who's self-managing? Well, if you're self-managing, is that the best way to scale your business? And are you fulfilled by self-managing or would you rather be doing other stuff with your time? Like, I don't know, scaling your business, scaling your portfolio, making more money, bringing more rentals, rental income coming in because you're acquiring more properties. If you want to scale, if you're not getting fulfilled by self-managing, then... Here comes the free service. Here comes the free gift. Linda Libatory, you know her, episode 714. I interviewed her about her best ever advice. Talked to her about her company, which is the solution to your problem Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. They handle the phone calls, they handle the rent collections, they handle late payment reminders, they handle the lease violation notices, everything from. mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff. With us today, Luis Correra. How you doing, Luis?
0: I'm great. Thank you, Joe, for having me on.
1: My pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. And a little bit about Luis. He is a real estate investor at Innovative Property Group and IP Group. He currently raises capital for larger apartment purchases. He started in real estate in lease options and eventually doing wholesaling and flipping. And he is based in Durham, Raleigh area, North Carolina. With that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
0: Sure. A little bit about my background. So basically, I immigrated with my family from Spain, in the 80s and we moved to New Jersey, primarily Newark, New Jersey, and then to Harrison. So I was pretty much raised in that area. Went through the typical family process that we have to go to college. So I went to college, Rutgers and NJIT, where I got a civil engineering degree, both a bachelor's and a master's. And then I went on to work for a large contractor and did a couple of skyscrapers whatnot. And the economy hit and I was laid off in 2008. And that's when I started really investing in real estate with lease options and then eventually wholesaling to some flips until I started getting private investors in 2010 to actually blow up my capital, so to speak. Yes,
1: yeah, So let's talk about 2010 to today. How are you making money?
0: So basically, I'm making money with a combination of things. First and foremost, I'm a big believer of marketing. So we do Google AdWords, the yellow letters, postcards not so much because they don't help out much in this area, and a lot of referrals, basically through door hangers and word of mouth. So we do a lot of wholesaling still, and the homeroom flips we actually keep. And during the same time, I realized that capital is the most important thing in really real estate. So you could always find capital. The deals are a little harder to come by, but it's all about networking. So now I raise capital for these smaller projects, for smaller investors, for flips, or maybe a turnkey solution for them. Or we raise capital for apartment complex purchases so we can flip them.
1: All right. Let's talk about the last thing you said. You raise capital for apartment complexes so you can flip them. Are you on the general partnership side on that deal?
0: Yes, that's correct.
1: Okay. Can you give us a case study of one that you did?
0: We did one in 2010. I had one of my first flips. It was an eight unit. It was pretty interesting because I had an investor that he wanted to invest in real estate, but didn't have time or experience. And He knew I was doing some work, so we hooked up. And he insisted on a multifamily. I've never done a multifamily until that point. So we bought a small eight unit complex in Kearney, New Jersey for about 75 grand. And we used his 401k money. We rolled it over into a self-directed IRA and we worked on that one. After 10 months, it sold for about 550k and we rolled it over into the next project because he wasn't going to pay taxes anyway. But the only way to actually use leverage for a self-directed IRA was to 1031 it so then we moved on to the 28 unit complex then eventually we did the same process sold it after another year moved on to a bigger complex an 86 unit in south carolina rinse and repeat did it again and now last year we placed them in 250 unit in greenville south carolina so between 2010 and last year less than 7 years he went from 240 in his IRA to over 2.25 mil
1: worth of value right not actual profit but value of property that he's controlling with the original money
0: Well no that is his original money now so what transferred over from that IRA was that amount
1: so what did he originally put into the 8 unit
0: 240 grand
1: And he now has how much cash?
0: Now he has a minimum cash because we placed that money into another complex. Mm -hmm. But the transfer was 2.25 mil.
1: Wow. That's incredible. So clearly we need to dig in here. (laughs) So you went from eight unit. You had that for one year, you said?
0: Less than a year, actually.
1: Less than a year. Okay, I want to get the lay of the land, and then I'm going to go deeper into each of these. So eight unit had less than one year. Then you went to a what unit?
0: It's a 28 unit. We had that for also less than two years, actually. we years. Went With the transfer, it was less than two years. We sold it for 2.2 mil and moved it over to an 86 unit.
1: You sold the 28 unit for $2.2 million?
0: Yes, and it was acquisition of 1.2
1: mil. Okay. And then you went into an 86 unit?
0: Yes, which was a $4 million purchase price. And then in four years later, last year, we sold that for 5.6 mil. And that's what helped us 1031 that into a 7.9 mil over 200 unit property in Greenville.
1: You being a civil engineer, I knew you'd have the details. The 250 unit in Greenville purchase price was 7.1? 7.
0: Nine, 7.9.
1: Seven point nine so you went from a purchase price with the eight unit of five hundred and fifty thousand right
0: well, no, we purchased it for seventy five k that's how mm-hmm. we got a great jump
1: okay bought it for seventy five we purchased 000. that for
0: seventy five k and sold it for five hundred
1: and thirty k that's a great start right out of the gate and then you went twenty eight unit bought it for one point two sold for two point two. And then the 86 unit bought for four, sold for 5.6. And then the 250 unit you bought for 7.9. And that's what you've got right now.
0: That's correct.
1: What's the key to flipping these in such a relatively short amount of time? The
0: smaller units were a lot easier to relatively flip just because the competition is a lot greater for those units. I think we were a little, I can't say fortunate, but we bought a property. They weren't in the best areas. They were in C areas for the most part, but we gave them a good finished quality product. And once we rented it all out, leased it all up, they were typically in those areas, a hundred percent leased. So after six months, it was pretty simple to actually give, put it on the market and provide additional investors, some meat on the bone. So that's what we did instead of asking for like a six cap or six and a half cap we went to like a seven seven and a half typically and they would go on the contract immediately some of them were a lot easier obviously the renovations were a lot quicker for the smaller units but once we got into the 86 unit it took a lot longer it was almost four years just because we needed to upgrade every single unit And we had a plan in place, but the very important key that we had was the management side of our team. We needed to get a manager that was experienced in actual repositions. So that was key. We had to, not fire, but we had to let go of the original manager Mm -hmm. because we wanted to bring that up from a C to like a B minus property. So we put a manager in place that had experience so we don't have to be there every single day. And that was an important part of our learning curve, really.
1: For all these properties, are they self-managed, meaning you're basically overseeing the property manager directly? Yes, that's correct. How influential has that been versus hiring a third-party management company to do these for you?
0: Well, just because we don't have much volume, it's easier to manage three to six properties every year just by putting the right property manager in place and just making sure the numbers are coming in properly through the P&Ls and the rents coming in. We just have to make sure that there's no glaring defect when it comes to the P&Ls, like why this month we're down seven grand as opposed to last month. We always make a phone call immediately if something goes wrong or if there's any delays in the repositioning. We always have a weekly meeting even if it's a conference call or a face-to-face. So we go to the asset every single month, and every week we have a meeting with the property managers to make sure that the renovation's up to speed and up-to-date and there's no delays.
1: With the 250 unit, how many team members do you have on site? Can you go through the staff?
0: Yes, we have about four team members on site, a property manager and a leasing agent, And a full-time maintenance and another assistant maintenance guy. So they are in charge of running the project. And I think we have a part-time during the summer for the leasing agent and a part-time as well for the management just in case there is any issues. But obviously we're renovating those units as we speak. So, so basically once these units are renovated, they need less maintenance than the other units. So we only have about four full-time and two part-time on staff. And just we make sure to keep track of all the work orders coming in and to see if there's another need to actually force the renovation on a couple of units that are problematic units. So that's what we typically do. But we go through, typically for a 250 unit, we only have four people on site. But for every 50 to 100 units more or less, we just subtract a team member. So if it's 100 units, we're not going to have anybody really on site, maybe just a property manager. But once we go above the 100 units, yes, we'll have staff on site, like a full-time team on site.
1: With the eight unit, the $75,000 purchase price, was that paid all cash with your investor's self-directed IRA?
0: Yes, that's correct.
1: How do you make money on that eight unit? How are you involved?
0: Basically, because I took the same concept as the flips, so I would over-leverage on the front end, which included repairs, included the purchase price, insurance, holding costs, and my fee. So that's how I got paid on the front. And then during the course of the month, the course of the renovations, obviously we didn't have it rented for at least two and a half months. But after that, we had a general split. I took 25% of the equity, and my partner took 75%. And that's how we worked the deal out. eventually we gave them a split, like an equity split,
1: okay, so at the eight unit, you got a fee at closing, and then you got twenty five percent equity in the deal. Yes, what percentage of the purchase price or how much was the fee just so we have an idea of the structure?
0: Oh, well, so basically, we were all in for two forty so my fee, I think it was only like fifteen grand, so mm-hmm. I was basically the asset manager, so once we closed, I got a check for X amount. I think it was like 160 something. I got a check for that amount in which I just held 15 to 20 K as my fee, which was disclosed.
1: Cool. And then
0: after that we used everything else to repair.
1: Cool. So it's like 6.25% of total capitalization was your fiat closing and then 25% equity. Okay. Now that's the eight unit. Now let's fast forward all of the way to the 250 unit. What's your structure there? Is it the same?
0: It's a little different because I worked with another team that I met over the years that they had the assets. So they're controlling the assets. So I just take part of the management side just because I brought the the one investor to invest into the entire asset. So in that case, yes, we did have an acquisition fee. I think it was 3% or 3.5% acquisition fee on the front end, which I took 0.75% of that. Yep. And my equity position is about 11%.
1: Cool. That sounds great. You mentioned there's another group. So how did you all structure it? I thought you said they control it. Will you elaborate? Yes, just
0: because they have the assets, In order to grow in this business, I felt that, okay, under 100 units, I can handle easily. Over 100 units, I may need somebody else to help me with the loan, with sponsorships and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So that's when I went about because I do network a lot. I go to all the, you probably know Dave Lindell events. Yep, absolutely. And that's where I met other teams. And with these networking events, I would meet teams and I would actually try to work with the ones that are best situated with future connections. And I would tell them, hey, look, I'm pretty good at raising capital. If I were to raise capital now, could I be a part of the management team? And most of them usually always say yes. So now I decided to change my position, just similar to what I did with the 250 unit in South Carolina. So I found the people that needed money, money. And I said to myself, all right, this is a lot easier. I could get deals in my inbox, and all I have to do is raise capital. I prefer just doing that instead of going crazy and finding additional deals and overworking. Mm -hmm. So my goal now is just raising capital for teams that I feel confident in.
1: And then you get to be on the general partnership side. That's correct. Have you looked at it from a standpoint of if you raise a dollar, how much projected profit do you want to have returned for being on the general partnership side?
0: It just really depends really on the asset. Just the first couple of times I try to just network with them. Even if the rate is like five mil, I'll try to bring somebody out one mil for a certain percentage of it. And if the general partnership is 75-25 split, for example, and I bring half of the capital, I do expect to get half of the acquisition fee that's not going to be used for repairs or renovations. And then the equity position, I don't mind taking a smaller piece just because there were more people involved that actually found the deal and actually got it funded through a primary lender. I know it also takes a lot of work on both sides, one, raising capital, and then the other side, which is making sure to get the loan from the lender. And that's how I structure it. I prefer working with five teams a year. Doing 10 deals a year instead of just doing one deal and only getting 5% of every deal. I'm fine with that. As long as my investors happy with the rate of return he's getting, I'm happy. Because they'll keep on coming back and they'll keep on referring me to other investors.
1: What is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: Just start out small. Go to all the networking events you possibly can because a lot of these investors are at networking events like TRIA Group or REI groups, and just show your face, And then start telling people what you do. And eventually a lot of people will say, hey, I want to work with you and see what you can do. But I'm still not confident in an apartment complex because that's out of my reach at the point. So they're a little small thinkers. So what I do is I work on a flip with them. Once the flip goes well, we'll continue to do more deals. Once they do more deals, then I could convince them to, hey, instead of putting 400k into two flips, let's protect some of that money and put 200k in an apartment complex and still get the return you wanted for the long haul and still get an equity position on this property so you could get even massive benefits. And then I still do flips with them. So I continue to build those relationships in order to eventually put them towards my goal, which is an apartment complex. That's what I do.
1: You ready for the best ever lightning round?
0: Uh, sure. I'm not sure if I'm prepared, but... but.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, then you're going to give the best answers then if you're not prepared. Usually it's better if you're not prepared. First, though, a quick word from our best ever partners. Are you an investor who self-manages, talks to your residents, collects checks, and handles all the day-to-day tasks Well, there's a better way, best ever listener. And guess what? That better way is Secure Pay One. Secure Pay One, the landlord helper, will have conversations over the phone with your residents whenever there's an issue and the residents can pay you directly. So schedule your free trial and 30 minute session today at mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation Podcast where hosts Jason and Peeley give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation Podcast at com. Best ever book you've read.
0: Best ever book I read? Uh, I really like what's Grand Cardone's book.
1: 10X. Oh, Some, probably something 10X.
0: Yeah, Be Obsessed or Be Average. Lately, it's just it psychs me up. And DJ DeMarco's Millionaire Fast Lane. It's just such a quick read that I could just pick it up and read it and just make sure to be on track, to be on the fast lane
1: instead of on the sidewalk. Best ever deal you've done?
0: Best ever deal I've done? Probably the 28-unit flip because that netted me a pretty good penny. I'm not into many home runs, but I just like building up to that. So where I am now, based on equity, it's pretty good. I haven't really done a big home run where you see some people online that they have these 250 k checks. No, I'm all about singles and doubles.
1: What's a mistake you've made on a deal that you can think of?
0: Oh, When I first started flipping, I never paid attention to landscaping. And I realized landscaping is not a big, big deal, but it gets the property sold a lot quicker than if you forget about landscaping. So I try to incorporate landscaping budget into all my flips now.
1: What's the best ever way you like to give back?
0: Give back every week. I am a volunteer for Meals on Wheels. So I give several hours of my time to do that. I do uh, volunteer every month for Salvation Army as well at the food bank. I also just created a nonprofit, which is Solar for Hope, which is going to be providing solar power to low-income housing in the southeast.
1: Very cool. How did you get involved with that last venture?
0: I was doing these Meals on Wheels, and then every time I dropped food off or spoke to these homeowners, they always told me that, hey, you know, they have these bills to pay. It's usually electric and subsidized housing. But in some of these places, and the conditions that they live in, I mean, it's not the best. So I was like, okay, how could I help them out by lowering some bills and doing something else that's more creative and something that's needed for future generations? So I decided, why not do solar power on these low-income housing? If, if anybody could do solar power, or their 250K home, why can't we just do a small system for 100 families a year and help them out with their bills and trying to get them off the grid or at least creating a neighborhood feel that is a, uh, what's it called? A neighborhood feel where these individuals feel pride in actually contributing to a cause, which is making this world a better place for everybody.
1: What's the best place the best ever listeners can get in touch with you?
0: Either through Facebook, at my business site is at IP Group NC, or they could give me a call on my cell phone or text me at nine seven three nine zero two seven two zero three.
1: Well, Luis, thank you for being on the show. Holy moly, this eight unit flip that turned into a two hundred and fifty unit monster! Congratulations to you, your investor, and everyone who is associated to the original and the latest from a $75,000 purchase to a $7.9 million purchase through value add, selling the 75K property where you're 240K all in for 530 started out strong. And then you just kept the momentum building from there. Talk through some practical ways that you have increased the value of the properties and then how you're getting compensated along the way. That tends to be a question that I receive a lot. How do I structure deals with partners? So thanks for getting into that. Thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Thank you for having me, and good luck with everything. I hope to speak to you guys soon with our next deal.
1: Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation podcast at com.